0: And welcome to the Frogcast. You all don't know it, but this is round two. We have like a really good five minutes of content, but we're kicking it back on. So we have uh this podcast, we started it back in 2015. Let's be honest, it was about TCU football. We haven't talked a whole lot about basketball, we haven't talked a whole lot about baseball. Nothing to talk about with basketball. Baseball kicks up, we'll be ready to go. But spring ball is here, so let's get ready for some TCU football. As always, we have Billy, we have Daniel, and we have Jeremy Clark, our master of ceremonies, our ringleader, our boss at the end of the day. So let's just dive right in. We've got spring ball coming up. Um, All of this is built off the back of a strong finish to the 2020 season. Now, we know that the schedule was a little weak at the end of 2020, but they still did what they were supposed to do. Billy, going into 2021, and specifically spring ball that's starting up here, what are the frogs going to build off of in 2020? that you think is something that can be a good building block for launching into 2021?
1: Well, hopefully a full normal off season uh, with Jerry Kill, with Doug Meacham and building off of how successful they were towards the end of the year, like you said, uh, that that can lead to success going forward. Hopefully people have bought in, the players have bought in. Uh, You have Max Duggan back for his third season. You hopefully get the offensive line playing a little bit better like they were towards the end of the season. They can build off that momentum and going forward. But I really think a true offseason uh, under Kill and Meech will, do, will go a long way to get better results from start to finish for the offense. And I, I trust the defense always doing their GP, but I think the offense uh, we can see just continue to blossom as they were towards the end of the year last year.
0: Yeah, I think that's all uh, relevant, especially as we're trying to figure out how to make that leap from six or seven wins back into nine or 10 or 11 wins. Jeremy, we transitioned from uh, the 2020 season into 2021. What do you think are the building blocks, the strengths, off of, especially that last half of the season?
2: Well, the good news is they got a lot of experience last year um, because of COVID. You had players out, so other players stepped up. Offensive line got really strong, I think, looking looking at what they have coming back. You've got at least uh, eight to nine guys that have a, a good amount of experience. you got a good transfer in with Obina Easy uh, coming in from me, uh, Memphis. Uh, Third-year starter at quarterback, stable full of running backs, great skill position players. The skill position players are top to bottom unlike any skill position I've seen at TCU since I've been covering the team. I think Billy would agree. Um, but you you have a lot of momentum right now. Um, talk to a lot of people around the program, the – team chemistry is really really good right now from from everyone i've spoken with it seems like there's a lot of things going right this offseason um, they know more about how to how to go against covid protocols they they've been through it before so um, even if even if some players miss due to you know reasons of close contact or having covid i still think they'll be able to get through spring ball but It's uh, a lot of optimism right now going on, a lot of optimism right now heading to the season.
0: You know, I think that optimism is present in a lot of fans, not just like hardcores like us. I think there's something to build off of, especially what we saw on the offensive side of the ball as it began to kind of begin to come together. You know, spring ball is really a mystery to me. I've never quite exactly known what it is other than, you know, but I get it's practice. You can get in there. You can start to implement your offense. You can hit a little bit. J- Jeremy, take us behind the scenes. What actually happens during spring practice? They've got 15 practices. What's Coach Patterson trying to accomplish?
2: I mean, finding out the pecking order in a lot of positions. I mean, if you look at offense, I think they're they're going to try to figure out what the best rotation is up front. Um, you get a lot of the younger players more experienced, the guys that came in in January that just signed as part of the 21 class. It's great for them to – really learn to become a college student and, and really get uh, just in into the thick of things thrown into the mix in, in spring practice. But uh, it's, it's a time for them to tinker around some positions. Uh, Marcel Brooks is a guy that's been a defensive player, but moving over, to, moving over to offense now. So it gets him a chance to get reps there and, and let the coaches see what they have. And uh for a very important position at quarterback. We all know Max is the starter, but you've got a a, a pretty uh, solid backup group behind him with, with Downing and, and Chandler Morris, the Oklahoma transfer coming in and Sam Jackson, people have been telling me that he's been throwing really well in the off season. It's going to be a great battle there. And, and just other positions, you got to find uh, another linebacker to replace Wallow. You got to find two safeties to replace Merrigan Washington. So those are, uh, key items that we'll all be watching this spring. And, and hopefully Coach P will have uh, plenty of media availability so we can ask him those questions and just see how things are going. But it's uh, the most important thing is just to get through spring ball healthy. And uh, and hopefully you figure out not only who your starting 22 is, but really who your top 44 are. And um, it's, it's, a, it's still a long road. I don't think you know, as, as many uh, fans that follow TCU football, I don't think we've ever seen a spring, the end of spring camp, the depth chart looking exactly like it looks in fall camp at the end of in, end of fall camp before the season starts. But it's all it, it's it's a fun way to watch them uh, get some development going and and see how players rise. Billy, you've
0: been out there at spring practice, especially for um, media availability, for what fifteen fifteen sixteen years now. You got any good memories where you actually learned something about the team at uh, v- media availability from spring practice, or is it just all GP boilerplate that we could uh, autofill when he begins a sentence?
1: Well, he, it is a good chance to see people. A lot of these guys you see for the first time, and uh, when I saw this, my first big memory that, like, jumped in my head, was like, oh, this this did that to me in the spring, uh, it's, it was pretty recently, but it was Ben Banigou. And I saw him when he first got to TCU. Obviously, I was like, Oh, my God, that, I, I watched the first drill, the first snap he took. I was like, oh, that guy's good. That guy's going to be real good. And I was pleasantly uh, found correct in that one. And then the next spring, uh, Banigu didn't play in the spring game, and me and him just – I stood on the line next to him the whole spring game. Me and him just talked for an hour or so how long the spring game was. So I, when I think about the spring, I think about, oh, that's when I, quote-unquote, found Bannego. I know technically GP did whatever, but I like to think that I played a role in, in Bannego becoming how great he was, and now he's in the NFL. Just saying, become buddies with me, and you'll be great success.
0: For all the players that listen to this show, I know you you at least watch it. You 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 binge it three or four times. You listen to the same episode. Go find Billy Wessels, and you will be playing for the Colts. That's really nice.
1: you Wallow's going to get drafted. I'm just saying. These guys, they find me, and they get drafted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you do you have any audio of Wallow that you could pull up real quick, there, Billy? Well, uh, I,
1: um, that's I, too. His voice is too high. I, I was trying to pull out a Wallow uh, impersonation, and I love him. And he talks real fast, but talk real, talk real fast like this. I'm like, my game, Garrett Wallow. I want to get him that gumball. <laughs>
0: he's like a he's like a tenor coacho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you go go, go go Tigers <laughs> miles he, he's on the hot now but, but go to
0: We <laughs> <laughs> would have thought uh, Les miles is out and Coach O is still in
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. oh man all right well let's get into some player personnel issues here Jeremy, we all know problem one two and three the last couple of years offensive line what do we need to see in spring practice from the offensive line? What are two or three names that we need to watch? And without like getting into prediction of the starting five, tell us who we should have an eye on for the 2021 season in spring practice.
2: Well, that's, that's a good question because there's a lot of the names, like I mentioned earlier on, we might not have known too much about if it not, if COVID hadn't been around and those guys get to play a little bit sooner, but I think Blake Hickey is going to compete for one of those starting spots. I I think he showed a lot the last three games and couldn't be happier for a guy like that because he just showed uh, just a tremendous work ethic, Uh, played football, then quit for a while, then decided to come back, and and now it's paid off. He's on scholarship. But just even if he doesn't start, he's going to add a lot of depth to that interior position. Wes Harris being back is huge. Um, Lance being back, but – Uh, it, it sounds crazy, but easy's the kid that I've talked about pretty much a lot with, with folks around the program. And I know a lot of fans hated the loss of, uh, TJ Stormont, but everyone I've talked to said, man, easy's, he's better. He's just plain and simple. He's just better. And I think that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty strong statement considering Stormont played pretty, pretty good, uh, toward the end of the season and the offensive line improved with him. So Easy's is going to have a lot of high expectations coming in, but Brandon Coleman is another one that I think would have got more playing time last year, but he was injured. And I think he ended up getting injured against Kansas state and just missed the rest of the season. Everyone was kind of wondering where he was and and that's what happened. And uh, he's, he's a guy that the uh, coaches are very high on. Think he could play a lot of snaps and Personally, me, I think he's going to compete with Coker for that starting right tackle spot. The guy that I've mentioned on the board a couple times, and I have not, I've yet to speak to one person about this kid that says, oh, that kid, no, he's not going to make. Every person I talk to about this particular kid is just waiting for him to explode onto the scene because he is so talented, and that's Tyler Guyton. And that's a kid that TCU basically lucked into getting. They were offering that kid a preferred walk-on, and then they knew if they didn't offer him in December that he was going to wait till uh, February to commit. He would have been one of those seniors, you know, in recruiting that picks up 12 to 15 offers in January alone because everyone's trying to rush to fill a spot. He would have got a ton of offers. TCU lucked into offering him late, and he accepted, and and started out at defensive tackle and they told him, Hey, listen, you're, you're going to be an offensive lineman. And like I've mentioned on the board, there was a person that told me that that guy's going to be able to tell if he puts it all together, he's going to be able to tell NFL owners how much money he wants and hundred, like hundred million dollar guy type guy. So not to put too much pressure on Tyler, but the young, of the young guys uh, that I've asked about, he's the guy that just comes in. It, it just comes to mind every time. He just they 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 speak about him constantly. So, watch out for him. I don't know if he's not going to start, but he will be a guy that can back up someone left tackle or right tackle.
0: You know, living here in Memphis, I've had numerous uh Tiger fans ask me did if they got the 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 good end of the deal by landing Austin Myers. And so I I'm just going to very politely say they are wrong. We got the best <laughs> end of that trade. <laughs>
2: Did you Austin, tell them to, did you tell them to watch the Iowa State game?
0: I, I did not tell them to watch the Iowa State game.
2: <laughs> that would be the start.
0: That that would definitely be the start. There's a there's plenty to choose from is really what I told them. So, you know, if Austin Myers was the player to be named later in that deal, I think we uh I think we won out on that. They were not happy to see Easy Go and they they were excited like, "Oh, he's a four-star kid. He started in the Big 12." And I'm like, You can have him. You're more than welcome to have
2: him. (laughs) Well, I think it speaks volumes. If you look at the 24-7 sports, we did the uh, transfer rankings, and Easy was, I think, the number two or number three tackle and number 15 overall. And Stormont wasn't even listed in the top 50. Um, So I I do – and I'm not trying to bash Stormont by any means because I do believe that the offensive line played better as, as he got better. Um, but I'm I'm still very confident that Easy's going to be just as good, if not better than than what they had last year at left tackle.
1: He's also legally a giant, I think. Pretty much, he's a massive human being, and that's coming for me, who is also a massive human being.
2: <laughs> Billy, you, I, I can't believe you never walked on. By the way, it just boggles my mind.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should have. I never played in high school. I had no I had no experience. I've not played the story the one time I tried to play football? No. So, walks at you Texas, right? Hotbed, NFL great, such so uh, as Jalen Reger and all that jazz. But uh, So, I'm, I'm in kindergarten. I'm five, and they start them young. But so, the thing is, me being legally a giant, I was legally, legally a giant in kindergarten, too. They wouldn't let me play in, like, the five or six unders. I had to play, like, in the eight unders because so I was so big. <laughs> and I had no idea how to use my body at that point. I just got – throwing around like a rag doll, and like I was like, no, I'm good. And like that was and that like, was it, it was. and that was it. My, that was my last time playing organized football. That wasn't like turkey ball. Uh, what? What wow. would you if they just
0: known? They just known any better? If they'd have just known? Well, you know, we all we all peak at different times, and it looks like five year old balls when you peak, though. That
1: was that was <laughs> when I
0: peaked. I peaked at five. It's been all downhill since then. All downhill since.
1: Thankfully, I love my hair. That's
2: it. If we ever do an all all sports media team, I'm definitely drafting you.
1: Yeah, I think that's the right pick. Uh, I could yeah. definitely win like a like if we did a pro day style workout. I like you yes. get the reps on the bench, no doubt. My forty probably sucks, but
0: um, I think me and you could have a good run at that. Yeah. Hey, I was a, Maybe. I, was a I was an all conference offensive lineman in small ball in Iowa. Thank you very much. My mom has all my clippings still. <laughs> <laughs> I won back to uh, back
1: dashes and like when I was one and negative one years old.
0: <laughs> I have the trophies to prove it. Oh well, you know I we, know, we have, football. We need to put that on the books. We need to make this happen. So, all right, Let's Billy. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of peaking at the right time. Have you seen this large of a collection of talented athletes on the offensive side of the ball to just get the ball in their hands? We're looking at wideouts, guys in the backfield, Max Duggan coming back. Um, I don't want to say under center in the shotgun. What, what is your assessment of of the weapons that the frogs are bringing back, especially using spring ball as a launching pad into twenty twenty one?
1: I mean, it's ridiculous, right? You have you have Zach Evans. Like first and foremost, you have one of the best. Running backs in the Big 12 and not in the entire country sitting back there. And and that whole room is impressive, right? Darwin Barlow, uh, DeMarcado, Kendra Miller, DeMarco Foster. That running back group is just ridiculous. Uh, We talked to LT a couple weeks ago, and he said it's the best group they've ever had. So I'm going to take LT's word for it. And you look at the wide receiver group, Quentin Johnson we saw last year was truly phenomenal. He can be the, the uh, the next coming of Josh Dotson in any way, shape, or form. And then people aren't talking about J.D. Spielman a whole lot. We didn't get to see uh, what the, the third-leading receiver in Nebraska history actually has last year because the season got cut short. And then the throwing Marcel Brooks, okay, he's a five-star linebacker or safety, but you have that kind of talent and explosiveness and ability. You get the ball in his hands. I'm, I just want to watch and see what happens. This uh this special – this group of – not special teams, skill guys is just awfully impressive and going to be exciting to watch this year. Just
2: just watch uh, Duggan sling it around a little bit. It'll be fun. And I'll and I'll add a lot of people forgot Tay Barber. Yeah. Tay Barber's coming back, and Darius Davis. I mean, you got and I mean, just the, the slot position alone is pretty talented. I think Conrad's going to play over there ultimately this year. I think he'll move more inside. And uh, Savion Williams, Savion Williams. I mean, that guy. You you we might look at the first game of the season and have TCU with a six four receiver on one side of the ball and over on the other side a six foot five receiver. I, I can't ever recall them having two – I mean, I think back in the mid-2000s, they might have had Walter Bryant, you know, 6'4 guy, but I can't ever move, remember them having a six four and a six five receiver that were both four-star kids that were highly recruited kids starting, and, and that very well could happen for the first game of the season with Quentin and Savion.
0: That's going to be a lot of weapons if they can just make it work. All right, the Frogs are going to be replacing a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you have uh, you know, Trey Morgan, uh, Ardarius Washington, and Garrett Wallow all going into the draft. Those are three three big starters. That's a lot of, of production that is uh, going into the draft that the Frogs are going to have to replace. But let's go down into the dirt. Jeremy, where, what do you see is the Frogs being able to do on the defensive line that we need to develop during spring ball? Who, who do you project to be people we need to keep an eye on, especially in the front four?
2: Well, the, the defense goes as, as far as the defensive line can take them. I and I think that's going to be the strength of defense next year with Coleman and Mathis. You've got two of the best edge rushers in the Big 12, if not the best duo. Uh, Mathis, especially just got to the quarterback a lot last year, nine sacks. Coleman had 18, I think 15 and a half tackles for loss. But at defensive tackle, I think it's huge that Corey Bethley's coming back, taking advantage of that fifth year. I never redshirted, so he's this is fifth year for him. Terrell Cooper coming back. The younger guys I was really impressed with uh, as the season moved along. Earl uh, Barquette, he showed a lot of flashes at defensive tackle. Patrick Jenkins came in there, played a lot. I'm still waiting to see Jaquay Sorrels. I think, I think if you ask me who the most talented kid, the most athletic, and probably has the most potential on that defensive line, I would probably tell you Sorrels is the guy. He's, he's 6'3", 320-something. He's 320, almost 330 pounds, and he moves really well. I think he has a chance to be really good. Now, this is going to be a very important spring for him. Um, he opted out last year, went back to Florida. It, there were some questions if he was even going to come back. He's back. He's, he's worked hard. So I think this spring is going to be really important for him. Uh, defensive end wise, after uh, Mathis and Coleman, you, you still have uh, uh, good young talent coming back. Colt Ellison showed some flashes last year, and I've, I've, I think Armstrong's moving to linebacker, the other defensive end. Uh, and the other kid, well, I can't believe I'm losing my mind. Ever since I've had COVID, I lose my memory, so guys got to bear with me, but. Help me out here. Who in the world is the kid That's that transferred? Horton. Horton, the kid that transferred yes, to Carolina- Carolina- Horton. Horton, New Mexico. Yes, yes Dylan Horton. Dylan, um, Horton. Dylan Horton's coming back. Uh, he's. I think he's going to be a force at defensive end. And I, I think they're really going to be talented. They, they always talk about wanting to have at least uh, 11 guys that can rotate pretty frequently up front. And I, I do believe firmly that they have that this year.
0: Well, let's go to the back seven. Obviously, the guy I'm most excited about coming back is D. Winters, but we got a lot to replace back there. Billy, who are a few guys, especially some newer names, that you think we need to keep an eye on? Obviously, Hodges Tomlinson coming back. I mean, people are talking about him as the, one of the best you know, cover corners in the country, but who are some other guys the Frog fans are going to want to know about?
1: That's one of the best. I think it's, I think it's a pretty accurate statement. I think Trey Tomlinson can be one of the guys uh, that becomes one of the best corners in the country. They have one of the better ones. I mean they, I don't know if they teach the history yet it's early, but man, we saw an awful lot out of him last year. Uh, Noah Daniels, the big thing is if, if Noah Daniels can stay healthy. I feel like that's his full name. Noah Daniels, if healthy, uh can, can really be a star cornerback as well. Uh, we saw a little bit of, of Keon Stewart and we saw a lot of CJ Caesar as well. I think I like Billy's cornerback group an awful lot. I think he is we saw them develop my like, leaps and bounds last season. So I really All right, think well that's we're still a, recording here. here.
0: You can edit needed. that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, you and I from here on here, you and I from here on out, buddy. Who, who are we looking at at the defensive
2: backs? Well, Noah Daniels coming back is going to be big. Yes, um, it is. He's, I, I, he doesn't have a lot to prove in the spring, so I don't think it's going to be real big for him to have to come he in and show either. anything. They they know what they got with him. Him getting back is going to be huge for the secondary linebacker. I. Th- everyone's worried about replacing wallow. I'm not, I'm not worried that much because they got Wyatt Harris coming back. Wyatt played in just about every game as a true freshman. I believe he got six or seven starts. He's not as athletic as, uh, someone like Marcel Brooks would be at the position, but what Wyatt brings to the position is very good awareness. He's probably the smartest linebacker on the roster, to be honest with you. Um, He's not slow by any stretch of the matter. He's he's got his own athleticism. He played safety in high school. Uh-oh. He runs really well. So I think linebacker they're going to be really good. Safety, you got to find you got to find a replacement for Merrigan Washington. And I think Bud Clark, uh, Deshaun McQuinn, uh, TJ Carter, the Memphis transfer that played corner for them is going to be really big. But it's it's uh, a lot of athleticism back there, but. Spring's going to be really huge, and and I think really going into fall camp, too, they're going to have to use that uh, as well to figure out who those starting safeties are going to be. I'm not worried in the least bit about weak safety. I I believe Josh Foster and uh, strong safety Nook Bradford, I think he's going to have a chance to be really good, too.
0: Yeah, I feel confident about the defensive backfield. I think it's just finding another linebacker. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Oh, Billy will make his way back on here in a second. I hate the internet. I just want to be real blunt about that. <laughs> well, Jeremy, let me put this question to you. I, I hate projecting and it's March, so I don't want to make you put you on the spot for a statement that you have to defend between now and uh, when the whole uh, coaching staff gets turned over in December. What is the ceiling and what is the floor for this team? Not just about, hey, like how many games are they going to win, but what do you think it is going to take for this team to reach its max? And what do you think is the what, – what's going to happen if you think the Frogs um, are not able to accomplish much?
2: Well, I think the uh, ceiling is playing the Big 12 championship. I, I really do. I I think this team has enough offensive firepower to get it going. I think um, the coaching staff has a year in that system now, so they, they, they know a lot more. Uh, and I think they have the players there that can get them through it. The schedule is just the, the, the scariest thing for me. The road games, playing in Norman, playing in names, playing in Stillwater, uh, and even even playing Texas at home, that's going to be a tough challenge for them as well. But the schedule, I think, uh, is going to be the toughest aspect of them getting to nine wins or 12 wins. it's just, It's, it's going to play a huge part.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate in terms of what I think the ceiling and the floor is. I, I I could see this team winning six games and everyone going crazy, and I could see the frogs winning ten games and um, you know sneaking into a Big Twelve title game. You know, winning in Norman and Ames. I just I'm not real sure about that. But as we as we talked about, as Billy brought up, we have so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and if it all begins to click, and if it all begins to click up front, watch out. I, forgot, I, think we'll know, I think we'll know right away in that Texas game.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I thought I, I forgot to give you the floor. The floor, I think, you're looking at five to six wins. And if it's a if it's a five win six win season, it is playing extremely below expectations. Um, I, I think the expectations for this team should be nine win nine wins and above. I really do. Um, I, I think I think the floor. If we're we're talking all kinds of injuries and everything else, you're looking at eight wins. But my expectations is 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 nine wins. I I still have trouble believing that they can beat Oklahoma and Norman and beat Iowa State the way they've played against them the last couple of years. And you always have that one tricky game that they shouldn't have lost and, and they end up losing. That's why I'm coming up with that nine and three record. I still think West Virginia is a, a team that. Is is playing good under Neil Brown? Texas is is a, uh, you, I mean they've dominated since joining the Big Twelve, but you just you just never know how they're going to face that offense under Sarkeesian. And uh, I mean it's just it's just one of those uh, seasons that I'm excited to see, and we hope to see them get at least ten wins. The floor is
0: losing the national title game. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go refill my purple okay. Kool-Aid. Now I'm back. The floor is losing the national title game. So what's what's the ceiling? Super Bowl? The Ceiling is is winning the national
1: title game, getting everyone drafted, and then all of them winning okay. the Super Bowl next that season. Was great.
2: That, that's the ceiling. Billy, that's why you're here. You want to no, that's why you're here. We 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 like you giving those uh those high expectations.
1: Well, I've I've been saying for years uh, that I think this this team was built for twenty twenty one. Now I was saying that uh, not assuming Merrick would 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 leave early, and Washington would leave super early, but I still think this is a group that is prime for great success in twenty twenty one. You you said the floor earlier. I put I put the floor at nine and three. That's Whoa. how crazy I am. That's how good it can be. Uh, and if I'm wrong, then I'm then I'm wrong. Whatever. But and you mentioned going to uh, having to go to places. They also go to Stillwater. That's a tough place to go play. But I think getting Texas first, I think is is huge. And then that next game is Red River, and then you play Oklahoma. You play you play both those teams before and after Red River. Uh, they might not be focused on the little on the little old frogs. They might sneak up and get them.
2: Just that not that non-straight weeks playing in the Big Twelve. Though, I don't know how that's going to work. Oh, it's it's stupid. Bulls yeah.
1: definitely hose Not the it. frogs. But I, if I believe anyone, I believe in this TCU team.
0: <laughs> well, Jerry, uh, uh, Billy, whatever you're drinking, send me a case to Memphis. I will, I will take it. There you go. I will take it. So. Well, you know, we've kind of already touched on it, but what, who else do you see around the Big 12? You know, I think Iowa State and Oklahoma are should be number one and number two. Anybody that puts Texas at number two is an idiot. It's Oklahoma and Iowa State should be preseason number one and number two. Anybody, Any other one or two teams you got an eye on that you think are either going to maybe shoot up the ranks or maybe the bottom will fall out of them this year?
1: Well, I don't know if i shoot up the ranks is, is the right phrase, but – I think Baylor's going to be much better. It hurts me to say this, but they only won two games last year. They had a lot of COVID issues, had three one-score losses. Uh, so if we go by the logic from TCU having a bunch of one-score losses two years ago, ideally Baylor rebounds and becomes a little bit better. And then they played well in the second half of the TCU game, uh, nearly pulled that one all the way back. I think Jacob Zeno is a really interesting prospect. Uh, could be interesting. And they bring back, I think, nine starters on defense, including uh, Rally Tejada, our old pal. So I think Baylor's going to be improved. I'm not saying they're in the – the Big 12 title game again. But I think they're, they're
2: going to be a much tougher out this year right in the middle of the pack. I like West Virginia. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was going to say. West Virginia. I, think, I think I think West Virginia can be sneaky good. And they got a lot of guys coming back too. They lost one of the Steals brothers. So that's – brothers, that's going to be tough on their defensive line. But got their running back coming back, quarterbacks coming back, some good receivers coming back. They're going to be – they're going to be a pretty tough win, even, even at home. But – Neil Brown has, has them believing up there and I, I think he's right on the uh edge of getting them over five hundred. Uh what they finished last year, did they finish six and four? Something like that. But I, yes. I think I think West Virginia is primed to get one of those eight, nine win type seasons as well.
0: Well, Jeremy, let's transition into recruiting. You know the what we love to free base on this show. We've got 2020 recruit, uh, 2022 recruits that are now making their way into, uh, you know, committing, guys that we high on. You were out there covering some stuff today. Give us two or three names we need to keep an eye on on the 2022 recruits that Frog fans will want to know about.
2: I still think they're in really good shape with JFair. I, I know it's a TCU A&M battle. And they, they like both programs. I think Malcolm Kelly has done a tremendous job. Recruiting Jay, giving them all the right answers. Uh, the the way TCU can develop receivers is going to be big for them, and the type of plan they have uh, and the way they utilize Jay is going to be big for them. And uh, every everything I've been told about it is TCU really has done a phenomenal job uh, expressing that to Jay and his family. So TCU stand in a good spot for them. A&M obviously is is going to be tough to tough to beat as well. Uh, he he likes both programs. Um, tremendously, uh, they're their neck and neck is what he told me today. And uh, Alabama is another program that if they offer could could complicate things. And uh, Ohio State, I think they're on the verge of offering as well. So he's still, he's still, uh, you know, open in the process a little bit to, to other schools. But TCU is really standing out. Uh, another guy that I would keep a close eye on is Trey Emery. Zarnel Fitch has done a really good job recruiting him. Uh, he's a defensive tackle out of Mount Pleasant. Uh, he's a, he's one of those players that they identified early on they that they felt could be a, a really good impact for them. And defensive tackle is going to be big for them this class. They lose four seniors, so they're going to have to replace those guys uh, with some quality players. And Trey Emery's a guy very high on their board. Chris McClellan out of uh, Oklahoma – he he likes TCU. I'm not saying he's going to commit to TCU or anything like that at the moment, but uh, he does have a great relationship with Zarnell Fitch. Uh, Zarnell's done a phenomenal job recruiting him. They they uh, I think if you look at defensive tackle, how I mentioned Jay Ferris being the top priority at receiver, I would say Chris is the top priority at defensive tackle. That's a guy that they really want to get, and they're they're going to keep recruiting him like crazy until uh, he makes a decision. Other than that, it's kind of kind of hard to pin down a a guy that I feel that's going to be committing very soon. They they lost out on Nick Evers, the quarterback, and I was told again today it was it was TCU or Florida. And the big thing about uh, Florida, it wasn't necessarily that they offered first, but it was the job that their coach, their quarterback coach, did in recruiting Nick as far as making him the priority. And I think with McGee, Garrick McGee, the Florida uh, quarterback coach, even when everyone else was talking about the K club Knicks and, and other uh, Tavion Jackson's other guys, Florida was recruiting McGee basically told Dan Mullen, Nick Evers is our guy. And that's a big reason why Nick chose Florida in the end. So just to give some clarification on that, it wasn't anything that TCU did wrong TCU, They, they really liked Kenny Hill, liked Gary Patterson, loved everything about the program, but it was just more of a, I guess Florida made Nick feel more of more of a priority than than anyone else, and that wasn't just a fault of TCU. That was everyone else recruiting him. Florida just did a great job in that aspect. But it's uh, a few twenty twenty three names are mentioned in TCU. That's that's really good. Cozart, Ashton Cozart, receiver. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite receivers out of the twenty twenty three class, and he's very high on TCU and C J Nelson, the current commit for the Frogs is uh, playing at the same high school and he's already doing his best recruiting effort. He's trying to get Ashton over there uh, with him to TCU. Well,
0: that'll be plenty to follow through the spring and through the summer. Hopefully we're going to have summer camps. It'll be great for the Frogs to be able to get some kids on campus, be able to have them come in and work out and for the coach and staff to see them up front, get some sense of normalcy back to TCU football and the ability to recruit.
2: That's my hope. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they had a a great camp Under Armour put on today. And, I mean, it went very smoothly. I mean, people were still wearing their masks. Everyone was uh, social distancing as much as they could. And you still had 200 of the top players in Texas and Oklahoma and some from Louisiana making the trip. So I think the NCAA, with vaccinations and everything coming out now, I think it's time to start opening up these campuses letting the coaches go out to these schools and cause man, it's just, it's, it's really hurting the, the 2022 class. I hurt the 21 class pretty good, but 2022 class is getting hurt as well. Cause these coaches, a big part of them offering these kids, especially with TCU is getting a chance to see them in person. I mean, kids mm-hmm. just, you, you can only do so much with the virtual visit and it just allows coaches to let them, let these kids see their campuses as well. So it it helps it helps both the the college coaching staffs and the players to open these things up and, and let these kids see everything and and coaches see things. But uh, I will tell you right now that as far as camps go, the Under Armour put on a great camp today, and there's no reason why the NCAA shouldn't let the uh, colleges start putting on these camps again.
0: No, I think that they're just hurting students you know i'm i'm I've been cautious with covid it's 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 jeremy can attest it can it can do some damage to you <laughs> but uh we we're we're seeing numbers down, we're seeing vaccines up. I hope that they have a plan ready in place to get that thing rolling and especially this summer because those are kids that are needing to uh, be able to show their skills and build relationships, and hopefully this summer will the, the world will be in a whole lot better place where we can make all that happen so all right, let's get to questions. We're going to start with you, Billy. Um, Billy, please discuss the direction of the basketball program under Jamie Dixon. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's been a, a pretty stark line down the last couple of years. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and I want to say it's going to go up soon, but it's so hard. You, they bring back everybody, right? Is that but is that a positive or is that a negative? Because you're bringing back everyone off a team that. Uh, finished, what, eighth in the Big 12. I get they sent seven teams to the tournament, but then they go and get boat raced by Kansas State, who was terrible the first half of the season. Um, I, I still like Mike Miles a lot. I think we saw a lot out of him. I feel like he slowed down a lot towards the end of the season, which I think it happens a fair amount with freshmen playing in this. Arjun Nimbard stepped up. I think Jaden Laddie was great this season as well uh, in the second half of the year. Kevin Samuel, I don't think ever quite lived up to the hype we were expecting this season. But yeah, I, I, it's, it's really hard to be super excited and and expect, expecting a lot for the future when you have one uh, commit coming in and he's another big center. So that's, a, that's an area of, that they've already got a pretty good guy, Kevin Samuel, so it's not an area of immediate need. So, I, I mean, it's it's hopefully it goes up. I think you're not going to get rid of Dixon this year. They, again, they missed over 100 practices uh, due to COVID this season. So it's not like you don't want to blame it all on that, but they they just were solely disappointing. I think if this happens again next year, I
0: think you're having a real conversation about the Dixon era at TCU. Yeah. I think that's a really solid assessment of the basketball program. And now that we've talked about it, let's move on.
2: Hey, quick question for <laughs> Billy. I got a question. Can yeah. Kevin Samuel play tight end or not? <laughs> uh, can he? Sure,
1: probably. I bet he could go out there. I don't know if he's—I don't want to say quick enough, but I—I I, I don't know if he'd be up for blocking. I think he'd be turning around solely solely a pass catcher. So, if you're there, so in you the need
2: for that, so you think he—you
1: he, think he could catch the pass? Um, well he catches basketballs and those are I guess those are bigger than footballs and coming in a little bit slower on the most part. You know, I don't know. I don't think he can do it. I'll just say no.
2: You just made a lot of fans happy. Give
0: me, give me Jasper Lott.
2: Hey, I, I like
0: that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I like, like Jasper Lott. That's a that's a much better name. <laughs> that's much better. Uh, okay, uh, Jeremy, who is going to be out this spring that we might need to be prepared to uh, hear the news about? Is there anybody that you know that's not going to be able to play this spring?
2: Well, if I tell you, I'm telling Duquesne. <laughs> no, I, I think really the the only players out are just the guys that really don't need to go through spring ball. Um, they've already established themselves as starters or – Major contributors. So, uh, I mean, as far as the big names go, the only one I've really heard is D. Winters. And that's, I mean, like I said, he's already established himself as a starter. Uh, and it, it was something minor. And they just said, hey, just take it easy. And there's a lot of guys like that. Wes Harris is another kid that doesn't have to necessarily come back in the spring, but I think he wants to go through spring. But as far as the injury front goes, I think they're they're relatively healthy right now.
0: Well, that's good to know. Um, it is, anybody else that you think might be out? This is one of those things that just kind of gets floating around there. Anything else you want to brace our fans for?
2: I don't know. You kind of asking me like you know something. I said I don't know. Are You trying to brace I don't me? I do know, something? man. It's
0: like it's always like the second day of practice. Somebody's like, "Oh, he's out. He's just getting his knee scoped. It's no big deal. He'll be fine." And then everybody goes and buys a bottle of Jack i'm just i'm just trying to, to 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 prepare our fan base i don't know anything that's, that's hey, listen, statement
2: the the fan, the fan base gets upset when they lose out on a kid that they had no chance of getting so what do you think is going to happen <laughs> i could I, I could say the second string long snappers out and they'll, they'll come back and say ortiz better be good he better be ready to go ortiz better not get hurt or we're gonna be we're gonna be screwed at Punting the football or kicking extra points, so there's always going to be something to worry about with the fan base. Not just TCU; it's every fan base. Okay,
0: all right, Jeremy. Are we still looking to take any defensive uh, transfers um, between now and in the when a ball starts this fall?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, they would have loved to have had Trey Lance. Um, he was had TCU in the top four, and they were talking to him a lot. So I, w- I would definitely say. If there's the right position that comes along and and he has uh, eligibility to, to boot, then, yeah, I, I think they would definitely look at the transfer. But the, the, the kid that came up, I, mean, I don't even remember his name. He was the Clemson guy. Someone had mentioned that TCU was a player in that, and they literally talked to him one time, one mm-hmm. time. Um, and I think the kid – didn't the kid end up getting arrested or something like a day or two after that story
0: was I, published? I, I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that because I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to impugn the young man, but I've, it could have happened. It very well could have happened. Yeah. All right, Billy. If you could have one previous player for each side of the ball for 2021 from from the GP era, who would it be? Ooh. Um.
1: I guess. Give me. You. You got to say yes. Any time to uh, Jerry Hughes, like no matter what. I think that's, I think he's the best overall player in the GP area. You gotta just add him any way you can. Um, and then offensive the side of the ball, I, I, just looking at this, looking at this team, like where, where do you, could you add Dalton and, and feel more secure about the quarterback spot? Who's the best offensive lineman? He's, how he's how the by time? Um, yeah, you add Big V and maybe you feel a lot better. May, maybe that's the way you go, but uh, I think outside of, Someone being a, a, a more stabling, stabilizing force on the offensive line, I think that's, that's fine enough on offense. Maybe you grab two defensive guys. Maybe you, you bring back Trey Merrick and Jerry Hughes and just call it a day. You know, I might go with Jaden Obercrum. Ooh, good answer, yeah. good answer. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would
0: take Jared, yes. Okay, Jeremy, you're on vacation. You have a TCU shirt and a TCU hat. Is it too much or should you just wear one? Well, I think it's never too much. <laughs> That's what I say. I think it's never too much. I wear the shirt and the hat regardless. I don't even vacation or not. I, I wear them both, and I don't care. I got stopped. We have a pedestrian bridge across the Mississippi here in Memphis. I got stopped last week by a lady that said her son goes to TCU, and every time she runs into a TCU fan, they're the nicest people in the world. But her other son goes to Syracuse, and when she sees Syracuse fans, they're the rudest people in the world. So I just I take that as if it's like right out of the Bible. So. Well, New York versus that's, that's Southern the way I look at it. So, that's exactly right. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. That's exactly correct, is it not? That's exactly correct.
2: Uh, well, I man. would I would say that I would say there's you, you could go with the hat and the t shirt. Maybe maybe do a purple hat and like a gray t shirt or a black polo, something like that. Do yeah. one of those combinations. Get out your purple pants too. Because you know you you know sometimes black doesn't work. The purple the shirt works. The purple shirt works.
0: Oh, man. Now, I don't know either of your alls habits on this, so you're both free to offer. It's a day game, and you're drinking. Whiskey, beer, or a mixed drink? Which one are you going with? Man, I haven't had a drink and watched a Tisu game live
1: since I was uh, at the Utah game, um, and I was throwing one of my buddies up in the student section because uh, we snuck in a bottle I of whiskey. Approve. um. Whiskey's, whiskey, I think, is usually my go-to, yeah. or beer. Maybe whiskey, straight whiskey, and then
2: chase with a beer. Jeremy? I'm pretty sure you bring a flask to the press box, don't you? That's only for <laughs> night games. Mark, if you're listening, that may or may not be true.
0: <laughs> yes. Mark, if you're listening, do not comment.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny is that me and Jeremiah went to the uh, – what year was this? It might have been – was it the 2015 game? at Oklahoma and as soon as we pulled up and I know Oklahoma fans get a, they get a lot of hate out there, but I kid you not. The second we pulled up, we were kind of in the uh, fan parking lot. I don't know how in the heck we ended up over there, but we got out, got out of the vehicle, immediately got offered a couple beers and then couldn't have walked 10, 15 yards further and got offered another beer. So not saying we took those drinks cause we didn't, I promise you. Of course you. not. Of course but not. Uh, I would say if I'm working a game and I had to have a drink, it'd probably just be beer because whiskey would tear me up. Yeah.
0: Whiskey will tear me up, and it'll i am pay for it the next day. That's what happens when you're old. Um, all right, Billy, which is going to happen first? TCU wins the Big 12 or Gary Patterson retires?
1: TCU wins the Big 12. It's happening this
0: year. Good answer. Book it. That ain't no guess. <laughs> what it's ain't no be. guess. That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> oh man! Are
2: you, are you doing the Are you doing the girl from Waterboy? The the comp- yeah, that's yeah, straight up a yeah. Waterboy reference. <laughs> you like that, <laughs> that don't you? I, I'm that's a what movie buff, do. man.
1: The- that's, that's my go-to if I need to just have a movie on the background. It's Remember the when Bobby Boucher Please showed
0: go. up at halftime but we won the Bourbon Bowl?
1: <laughs> See. Bobby Boucher is basically Garrett Waller. <laughs> Garrett Waddell is based in
2: Oh man, I don't know how uh Garrett's going to take that. Is, is JP uh, Winkler?
1: Um, is he Winkler or who's who's the who's the
0: bad guy? Oh. Red, <laughs> Red Red Bow U. Yeah. Red Bow U. Red Bow U. Yeah. He's
1: more of a Winkler.
0: <laughs> oh man! All right, we're going to go out on a bang here. This is actually coaching and stuff and all that good stuff. Uh Jeremy who's really running the offense? Is it Kill? Is it Beck? Is it Meacham? Do we have a do we have five offensive coordinators? Do we have four? Do we have three? Explain to us the flow chart of the offensive staff.
2: Kill Meacham, um then I would say Beck and then probably Applewhite, Kenny Hill I mean, the decision makers going to be ultimately I- end up being Jerry Kill or, and Doug Meacham. Um, Jerry Kill will provide what he thinks the offense should be doing. And the philosophy, if you look back and, and look at the uh, offense the last few games last year, Coach P went on record saying a, a big part of that was Jerry Kill. And if you go back and watch Minnesota and all those offenses he had uh, at other stops – I mean, it reeks of Jerry Kill's offense. Uh, but, but I do know Meacham wants to throw the ball. Um, and, and Kill wants to, uh, throw the ball as well. But I think last year, when you have a offensive line that wasn't really good protecting the quarterback, you kind of have to go to a different, different philosophy. So I think that's why we saw, excuse me, more of the running game later in the season. And, and that's what was really successful. But to kind of give you a, uh, long-winded answer. It's, it's Jerry Kill and Doug Meacham.
0: That's a really long-winded answer that sounds about right. So I'll be interested to see what we look like on the offensive side of the ball. I want to know what we're trying to do aside from get the ball into the good player's hands, though that's a really good philosophy. I'm quite comfortable with that. All right. On this last few seconds here, uh, let's just close with some smart alec comments about Kansas football. Uh, Billy, what, what, what's your take on Les Miles being fired, Jeff Long being fired? Uh, what, what, what do we take away in terms of hiring a, coaching fir- a search firm for, for a coaching search? Uh, is, is there a bigger dumpster fire than Kansas football?
1: Well, there's never been a bad reason to hire a search firm. The, those things always work out. They never mess you up. Uh, they never lead you astray. You should always listen to their results. Uh, I think there's what, the Texans tried that. I feel like Baylor did something like that to a marketing firm. They did a marketing firm, that's right, to try and get them into the in the first playoff. Um, but yeah, any any publicity is good publicity for Kansas, I believe. So, uh, I I guess this is terrible and it sucks and it's a a bad way to get. It's a really bad way to get publicity. But hey, we're talking about Kansas football on uh, March fourteenth, so uh, good for them, I guess.
0: I love that Jeff Long said. I asked Les Miles if he'd ever done anything embarrassing, and he said no, and that was enough for me. <laughs>
2: You're going to trust Jeff Long? Simply put. I mean, you I
0: know, I, oh. I have a hard time believing Jeff Long went with a name brand rather than um, going deeper and trying to figure out what the real answer is because he never did that in 2014.
2: So. I will say the, the one thing that did right without Jeff Long making a decision was uh, someone at Kansas promoted uh, Emmett Jones to the interim head coach, and I think Uh, I think that would be a good move for them because he's he's a players coach. The players, that's who they wanted um, to to take over the position. Now, that's not saying he's going to be the head coach, but I think it's good for him to at least have that shot. He's a really good uh, recruiter, Um, recruits Dallas, Fort Worth really well. When you see these Kansas offers going out, it's because he knows a lot of the people in the area and – and, you know Emmet's a Emmett's a good coach and he's he's one of those guys that he, he may not get down here in DFW and start stealing all kinds of recruits, but i don't I don't think that it's a bad move whatsoever for them to at least give him a shot and, and see what he can do and, and see if the players kind of rally around him and see if they can sh- show some kind of semblance of uh, life for for Kansas football. Not say they're gonna go out there and go six wins or anything like that, but heck, I mean three or four wins is good for them. So I think that's attainable with him.
0: I hope so. I hope they at least get competitive, you know. I, I mean, I know he was a good coach at South Oak Cliff. He went up there and worked with with Kingsbury at Tech, and then Miles was smart enough to hire him. So hopefully Kansas can at least get up on the map. But I anybody want to take the over at one and a half of how many games they win this year?
2: No. No. Who's their non-conference schedule?
0: Historically, it doesn't matter. They like lay, they somebody <laughs> told me they have the most FCS losses since tw- since 2000 of anybody. Get this, they play South Dakota, then they go to oh. Coastal Carolina,
1: and then they go to Duke. Well? and 3. I don't know if South Dakota is any good or not, but I know Coastal's good and Duke's yeah. at least well, what's, competent.
2: what's funny is like last year when Coastal Carolina put it on them, I don't think anyone really knew how good Coastal Carolina was going to be. <laughs> and then they rattle off, what would they go, 11-0 or something like that at one yeah, point? Yeah, they were
0: undefeated and lost in their yep. bowl game. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take the under. Whatever the number is, I'm taking the under. I'm yeah. going to go under. Yeah. yeah, I'll go under. Yeah,
1: that's a good money to make. What's the number zero.
0: Unless they forfeit, you know, maybe I don't know. So. <laughs> oh, all right, everybody. We're gonna bring this show to an to an end. We appreciate you listening to the frogcast. If you haven't yet you need to go to hornfrogblitz.com and sign up for our website, join our message board at TCU 24-7 Sports. This is a great place to stay connected with what Jeremy and what Billy are going to be able to uh, share with you, put some great stories out there as the news begins to break from spring practice, as well as all of the great news on recruiting. Jeremy's going to have some great articles up from the camp he just covered. If you want to stay connected to TCU football about what's actually going on, if you consider yourself an addict a hardcore fan this is the website you need to be a part of also go to itunes and give us a rating and review for the Frogcast if you haven't yet subscribed on the podcasting app of your choice we would appreciate it it's a good way to let more people know that this is where you come to find out what's really going on inside of tcu football so until we get back together again for jeremy for billy and for daniel i'm jeff thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.